grab your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to finish up our study of this wonderful letter this morning. And, um, you know, I believe that it's possible, sadly, sometimes, well, not, all, not sometimes, all the time, it is sad that it is possible to manipulate people, right? That that's an actual, like, thing <laughs> that people can do. And um, sometimes people can be manipulated with flattery, right? You, just, you, you, you tell them enough of what they want to hear, and all of a sudden they're like putty in your hands, and, and they do, they'll do whatever they want, putty, do it that way. But it's also, positive, it's also possible to manipulate people by giving them something, by continuing to give to them. It's possible to manipulate people by saying thank you because people want to be um, treasured. They want to be thanked. They want to be honored. And when they get that kind of feeling in their heart, oh man, they're, they're so thankful for me. They, they want me here. They, they, they treasure me. They value me. I'm important. Oh, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more. And there's a lot to that that is, that, is, that is good, right? In a relationship when you feel appreciated and you want to give and because there's genuine appreciation. But when that appreciation is not genuine, it's false and it's manipulative, and it's trying to rob you and rip you off. See, that, that Thanksgiving, it, that's when you start to feel like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not really appreciated. I'm just being abused here. You know, and if you're in a relationship for a while like that, and then you catch on, and then you look back and go, wow, how long have they been doing that? Well, maybe they haven't been thankful, really, for me. Maybe they haven't been really loving me and caring for me. They, they've been using me for that long? And it just kind of leaves you bummed. <laughs> it leaves you devalued. It leaves you kind of empty. And then walls start coming up, right? And you don't want, you don't want to give to the next person that comes along. And then you become cynical and, and hard-hearted. And, and now, now we're really off onto a bad, a bad place with, with all of our relationships, you know? And, and sometimes even with church, it's like, wait a minute, are, Am I valued at the church because they're getting something out of me? Like, or am I valued because it's genuine? And it gets pretty slippery there sometimes when we're in families and we're in communities such as a church. And, and sometimes you have to ask yourself that question. I have a friend that uh, called off a wedding that he, he was going to get married to this wonderful woman. And uh, he called it off because he realized that his love for her was selfish. And his love for her wasn't about her. It was all about him and what he got out of her. And he realized that before it was too late. And he apologized and he called off the wedding. And uh, boy, that, that, was a, that was a tough one. That was a tough one for him, for him to experience. And when we come to this text today in, in Ephesians 4, we rem- we're reminded of the, the, the scope of the whole book, the whole letter where Paul has been in prison and he's been writing back to the church in Philippi who has been very generous with him, has been giving to him and supporting him like no other church or no other group of people did. When, when, the, when the giving towards him ebbed and flowed, it was like this was the constant. The Philippian church um, was the constant giver to him and the constant supporter. So then he was giving thanks back to them. But remember at the beginning of our study, he was also telling them that he's okay because remember he was in jail. So as as they were giving to him and pouring into his life and being consistent no matter where Paul was, 
they started to worry about him and they started to think, wait a minute, he's in jail, is he, is he okay? So part of Paul's letter was to write to them and say, thank you for your consistency in my life and forgiving and supporting me and I want you to know that I'm okay. I want you to know that everything that has happened in my life has been to the furtherance of the gospel and now as customary with Paul, at the end of his letters, he starts to get really personal and we looked last week at how he was saying, before we end up this letter, I want you to help these two ladies that are in your church that disagree, help them agree. But now he's going to start saying thanks to them in, in a new way and in, in, in a different way. And what I want to focus in on this morning is just this one overall thought that true appreciation is absent of demands. So think about that. That's one that you got to chew on for a second, right? It's like true appreciation is absent of demands. You see, in this culture that Paul was writing into, remember, Paul was a Jew, but he also had a Roman citizenship, and he's writing to a church that has Jews in it, but he's also writing to a church that resides in this Greco-Roman culture, very Roman, very Greek kind of culture, and what was part of that culture was when you were given something, um, you were supposed to give something back, the concept of reciprocity was like huge in this culture. And so when you would give a gift back, that was the thank you that was expected and your relationship was characterized by this continual reciprocity. And when someone who didn't give you something back, they simply said, thank you. They, they gave you that. It's like, you know, you send a dish home with somebody and they give you the empty dish back and say thank you. <laughs> you know, you're never supposed to return a dish empty, right? It's kind of, that's, we all know that in our culture. Someone sends a dish home. Well, I got to send this dish back so I got to fill it with something good and then give it back to them and now it's theirs and we're good, right? That's, you never return a dish empty. Um, but what they would do is if they came to you and simply said thank you without giving a gift back, what it was is it was a request for more. It's what it was. So when they came and said, oh, thank you for this gift. So if you send me home with one of your nice casserole dishes and has lasagna in it, and I bring that dish, dish back to you empty, and I say, thank you, what I'm saying is, can you fill this again, please? <laughs> Would you say, you know, give a brother a hand here. Give me some more. So when Paul was writing this letter, he was in jail, Right? And it, it was kind of that when he said thank you to them without a gift in return, their culture would have been, wait a minute, why isn't he giving us something back? So I want you to kind of think about this in, in, in this setting as we read these words. Without that context, what we read in this text, we, we tend to get a little bit lost. So in trying to expound upon this one overall idea that true appreciation is absent of demands, let me draw your attention to Philippians 4. We're going to travel through um, verses 10 through 23, but let's start just with verse 10 through 13 where we draw this application that we can be content while in need or with plenty. We can be content while in need or with plenty. So when Paul is telling them in this section, he's saying, thank you, and I don't need anything else. Thank you. I have nothing really to give you because I'm in jail, but, but thank you, and I need nothing else. Look what he's saying. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul is summing up the letter and he's saying, hey guys, listen, you've been so, so thankful. I've been so thankful for you. You've given me so much. And I just want to say thank you. And I know that in times when you couldn't support me, it's not because you didn't want to. You just couldn't. You just didn't have anything to send me. And I just want to say thank you for that. And all I'm saying is I've learned that when I have much, I'm content. When I have little, I'm content. Thus, when Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what he's saying is the problem can continue to be a problem or the problem can get settled. I, I can go broke or I can get rich. I can get rejected or I can get accepted. I can get thrown in jail and, or God can relieve me. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. And now usually, because when I read this text to you, for those of you that perhaps are, are generally new to the Bible, you, you may have kind of 10 through 12, you maybe never heard before. But I almost guarantee you, even if you're not very familiar with the Bible, that you've heard somebody somewhere in your life say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Because that's everywhere. It's on mugs, it's on t-shirts, it's on stickers, it's on everywhere. But do you see what we normally do with that is we do this as people today. I want something. I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. I want something for me. So I'm going to take these words of 1 Corinthians 4.13 and I'm going to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can get that job. So I can have that money. So I can achieve that goal. So I can get this thing. That's not what Paul was talking about. What Paul was talking about is he's saying, whether it goes out to good or bad, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can suffer because Christ will strengthen me, or I can succeed and Christ will strengthen me. I can fail. It's okay. Christ will strengthen me. For Paul, the idea is not taking the strength of Christ and getting what I want. See, that's, that, that's, that's weird. That's manipulation. That's misuse of Scripture. That's misapplication of Scripture. And what this is, is Paul saying, I'm good because Jesus is going to strengthen me. And if I fail, I fail. And if I, I lose, I lose. If I suffer, I suffer. It's okay because I've learned that the only thing that I truly need in life is the strength provided by Jesus in the presence, in his presence. Is it? So what are, if we're really being biblical here, Paul is saying, thank you. And I don't need anything else. You don't need to give to me anymore. I'm just very appreciative of what you've done so far. There's no pressure to continue. There's no pressure to keep giving to me. There's no pressure to honor me. There's no pr pressure to keep saying thanks because true appreciation is absent of demand. You can just say thank you. You can just be appreciative. You can just honor and you can leave well enough alone. 
Not thank you, keep doing for me. Thank you, you better keep showing up because our relationship will end. No, Paul is saying that in this place I've learned that all I need is the strength of Christ. I really appreciate you. I really love you. I really care for you. Thank you so much. But if something should take place in your life today and you can no longer support me, praise the Lord, I love you anyway. Because we're not in this relationship, Paul is telling the Philippians, we're not in this relationship because of what you continue to give me. I will love you even if you can't give me anything else and I'll live in appreciation for what you've done up until this point. You see how we take our hands off of that and it becomes very non-manipulative. The second thing that we start to draw from this text as we move forward, we see that the fruit of giving is the greatest gain. In true pastoral form, Paul is writing to the Philippians in verses 14 through 70 when he writes this, yet... It was kind of you to share my trouble. It was, it was kind of you. And see, when you start taking yourself off of the material and just look at the kindness, the appreciation starts to build. And then he says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered partnership with me in giving and receiving. You see that reciprocal relationship No other group. He said, when I went out into my missionary journeys, when I went out to preach the gospel, there was no community of people. There were no group of people that said, let's enter into this giving, giving relationship. They all just kind of left him to himself. He said, except you. Even, Even, he says in verse 16, in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift. You see, he's taking his hands off. I appreciate this. I'm not demanding anymore. I'm just saying thank you. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases toward your credit. So Paul is saying, listen, I want you to give because it's good for you to give. I'm fine. I appreciate the gift. I love the gift. This is great. No other church entered into partnership with me but you. So you've been with me for so long. I'm so thankful for you. But you let me focus in. He says, I'm not saying this to get more out of you. I'm not. But what I want you to do is keep giving because of the fruit that will be evident in your life because you chose to be generous, because you chose to give. And this comes up every time we talk about any type sort of giving in the church, Right? I believe that God is going to meet the needs of our church. He's going to. Whether you give or not, He's going to meet the needs of our church. He's going to move in your hearts. Those of you that that do give, He's moved in your hearts. You're walking in obedience and you're doing that. And, And you're doing that because the Lord has called you to do it and you're doing it with a cheerful heart and you're giving. And we've watched over the five years that I've been the pastor here, we've watched when the tithes and offerings aren't very good when what's coming out of this group isn't very good God brings money from other sources and then it's been amazing when those other sources start to dry up and kind of slow down and get bumpy all of a sudden one of you puts extra in the offering plate for some reason (laughs) it's it's this amazing thing and just to let you know, we just finished our third quarter of the year, right? We're now into this last, last quarter of our fiscal year. And I know you're like, last quarter of the fiscal year is January. I know, fiscal year, I said, okay, which ends in March. So we've got February, or January, February, March. And um, we're overall a little bit ahead of the game financially now, which is a miracle. 
because we were just talking this summer, right? In June and July, how we were up against it. And the reserves that we had in the bank account were getting quite low, and we were in a, in a, bit, of a, tr- a bit of trouble. Well, remember I came to you, we prayed, and now we're ahead of the game, okay? And now it looks like we're going to finish the year if, if the third quarter mirrors the first thir- the fourth, fourth quarter mirrors the first three, we'll, we'll be a little ahead of the game. So thank you. We appreciate that. Appreciate your faithfulness. Appreciate your, your willingness to give and to do that. And um, we have just seen that over the last five years, that pattern take place, which encourages us, even if it's get an unexpected check from someone or sell a piano or, you know, I, I think even today, Pastor Gallo was saying that he has two people interested in a boat that was donated to the church. And so you, you see how that kind of works? It's just people just giving, and God is making a way for our church. And he tested us a little bit this summer. Um, I got together with, with the other staff members that are paid a small stipend, and I said that might not continue, um, might not continue for me. That's where we were, and we agreed that we would do this for free if necessary, and we didn't need to do that. And in fact, i just tell you, the church board, when I moved down here, my mortgage payment went up. It's expensive to live here, and they were able to pay me the difference that that happened there, and we're still ahead of the game. So you see how I'm bringing that to you today to say thank you, but I'm also bringing that to you today to tell you that as we walk in faith and do the things that God requires of us, he will meet the need, but we have to walk in that. And so that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, listen, I'm good personally whether you give to me or not. I'm fine. I got the strength of the Lord in me, good to go. But you... You, you need to give for you. <laughs> and so that's what he says. Well, let's talk, what does this mean on the, this kind of account business? Well, let's go to a couple of passages of Scripture and just kind of see what Paul is talking about. Paul's concern was the reward that they would receive for giving. So it's like Paul was saying, if you don't give to me, that's fine, I'm good, but be a giving person. Give to somebody, be generous. <laughs> he says, if it's not me, then give to someone else. And so he says, in he's, basically, I want to take you back to Matthew 10 and look what Jesus says, because that's what Paul is referring to. Paul, when he makes this statement in verse 17, he's referring to what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 10, verse 40, where Jesus says this, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, When Jesus explained this, Paul is saying, listen, I've been working as a prophet. I've been doing these things, and you've accepted me. So you're doing what Jesus had said, so you're going to get a reward for this. And the one who receives a righteous person receives, he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will be by no means lose his reward. And so Jesus is saying to you, listen, when people come to you and they're preaching the word of God to you and they're speaking the word of God to you, and if you're helping supply that, because that's what Paul was doing, Paul was preaching the gospel, they were resourcing him, and then Jesus is teaching them the one that's giving to the one that's speaking, it's the same reward, it's the same thing, it's the same honor. It's not that, oh, the, me, the one up here talking today, that because I'm the one who happens to be standing here doing this, that all of a sudden I get everything or I get all the attention or I get all the thanks. No, if you're giving into the church and the leaders are leading the church it's all us it's all the same thing 
when Jesus looks, he doesn't look and say, boy, isn't the pastor doing a great job? Boy, isn't that board fantastic? They'll say he looks at the whole. He looks at the community and he goes, wow, what a fantastic community, how they give and love and, and cherish one another, how they're pouring into each other's lives. This is wonderful. But what does Jesus mean by reward? What, what is that? Because you talk about manipulation. People that do what I do for a living, if we really want to get money out of you, we'll start telling you that if you give money to the church, you'll get rich. That's, what, that's really, if I, you know, if I want to fly a plane around, you know, get dropped in here on a helicopter. See, I've got to start promising. I've got to bring in a bunch of rich people and have them tell you how they got rich by giving to manipulate you into giving more. That's manipulation. That's horrible. That's garbage. That's not Scripture. A pastor that knows the Word of God will t say what Paul says. I'm good if you don't give. <laughs> I'm good if I go broke. It's fine. The Lord will strengthen me through it. We're good to go. Get, but you need, but then you take your eyes and say, you, you should be a generous person. You should be a generous person is what Paul is saying. And then what about this reward business? Well, he speaks about that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. If you're, if you're a generous person, then you're going to receive. If you're stingy, then, well, that's the way you're going to receive as well. Each of you shall give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. What a wonderful statement that is. I'll read that part again. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Do you see that? So he says, look, at they've scattered their gift to the poor. They give to people in need. And now God is building in them a righteousness, a holiness. That's the reward. As you are a generous person, you meet the needs of those around you. God starts to build you and make you a more righteous person in his standing. That's part of the reward, is the reward of righteousness. But he also says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply an increase to your store and seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Of your righteousness. <laughs> So when you resource people that are doing things that maybe you're not, that's one reason why I believe in that our church doesn't have to do everything, but we should partner with people, right? I went down to that um, the set-free um, thrift store that's down there, right? And I'm going to donate some things over there because they're going to get it to somebody that needs it. I'm not going to put all the stuff in the back of my truck that I have to give away and drive around town and trying to find someone that needs it. I, I don't... I guess that would work, but if they've got that ministry set up over there at Set Free, why don't I just go, go give them stuff because they, they're better at that. And they have the ranch where people go stay that need to get off drugs and do that. I spoke with a lady that 20 years ago, she came off the streets in Arizona and now she owns a home and she takes care of women, help them, helping them get off the streets. And you're like, okay, I'm not gonna do that. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, that's not in me to do. So why don't I go give to her so that she can do what she's doing. And then when I run into somebody that needs that kind of help, bingo, I got a place for you. Do you see? 
So you resource people. And if we're run, running around looking and saying, who, who can I resource? I've got, I've got this stuff. Let me, let me resource people so they go do wonderful things for the Lord and see lives change. And then when we are, we're, we are that way, God starts to build a righteousness in us. So I'm not here today telling you that if you're generous and resourcing people around you, that you're going to get rich. No. No. You're going to be in better standing with the Lord is what that's going to happen. God's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for that. Because as you gave that cup of cold water to that person who was in need, you were being me. You were giving to me. So generous people, giving people, resourcing people, they re reap a reward of righteousness. And so Paul, when he's writing to the Philippians, he's saying, I'm not saying thank you so that I can have more. I'm not giving you the, the empty dish so that you can fill it and give it back. I'm saying thank you because I want you to be in right standing with the Lord. And then as the passage starts to conclude, we see that a third application is this, that the source of our supply is God according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 18 through 20, read this way. I have received full payment and more. That's what Paul says. He's like, and he's in jail, mind you. <laughs> he's like, I'm full. I have more than I need as I sit here in jail. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering and sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, at this time, Paul was, it was impossible for Paul to return the dish full. He simply couldn't. He simply was a recipient. And he was simply saying, saying thank you and isn't that where we are sometimes? Sometimes we're, we're in need and we receive from people. And you know what? If you're a generous person and you've experienced times when you've been giving away, but all of a sudden you enter a season where you're the one in need, isn't it so hard to receive? Isn't it so hard? Sometimes the people that receive with the most kind of, uh, like it's hard to receive is those that, that give the most. And so if you're really generous, it's probably hard for you to receive. If you're a caretaker, you're always the one meeting everybody's needs. Sometimes when you have a need, you don't want to receive. But Paul is being very humble here, and he's saying, I know that I'm the one running around the world planting churches and leading and appointing elders and taking care of everybody, but guys, I'm in jail, and I got nothing to give to you, but I'm saying thank you. What a wonderful place for him to be. What a humbling time God took him through. But like Paul, they could be content in either need or fully satisfied because he says God is going to supply all of your needs through his riches and glory, through him, through him. In another place, Paul writes a similar thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. He says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, in which you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of this, the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also have lived according, or excuse me, among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. 
but because of his great love for us. So as you see our Paul is saying, I want you to be generous because you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. And now he's telling this church in Ephesians, and I'm bringing to you that what is that righteousness? What is this harvest of righteousness that we as generous people will, will start to reap? It is this, it is being transformed. It is this transformation that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2, that he's saying, listen, you, that all this stuff that was natural to you, the selfishness, the greed, the manipulation, this idea that, hey, I'm going to say thank you to get something from them. I'm going to give them the plate back so that they can fill it and give it to me. No, he's saying, listen, you were ripped out of that. I know that your natural tendencies is to be selfish, every single one of us. And in our family, we have thing one and thing two. Thing two threw up on me this morning. Maybe it's gone. Thank you. I hope it is. But we're so thankful for that. But they need to be trained. They need to be nurtured. They need to be disciplined and all of those things. And so do we. And you know what? The quickest way to being trained? Start being generous. God's going to grow you up. And he says, listen, you used to walk like this you used to just go with whatever was natural to you but verse 4 says but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and God raised up raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so he says, listen, the generous heart is one that is being shaped by God. The one that has realized, wait a minute, I was this and now I'm this. That I was dead in my sin and now I'm alive in Christ. I was an object of God's wrath and now I'm an object of God's grace and mercy. And there is this coming season that we have not yet entered into as a, as a human race where God displays His wisdom and His grace and His mercy to all of creation through His people. Amazing. Amazing. So in this idea, as we finish, I hope that this lesson from the scriptures helps you understand that true appreciation is absent of demand that as we live in relationship with one another i'm going to say thank you even if you never give it another thing for the rest of the time i know you I'm just going to appreciate it thank you for what you've done so far and you just live in that appreciation. What, what would happen in your relationships if you did that? If, if, you, if you just said thank you. No hands and no strings attached. If we just started living with this sense of appreciation for people. Without saying, well I appreciate you but I really wish you would start. Well I appreciate you but I really wish you would. Or maybe if we stopped this notion of 
I'm going to go say thank you, and then they're going to, and then I'll get. So the pathway to getting what I want is to say thank you, make them feel appreciated, and then we're going to get rid of the manipulation. We're simply going to be people that say thank you, I appreciate that. To whoever, wherever, whenever. And we're going to be people that take Philippians 4.13 and says, I can, if no one gives to me ever again and I go without, the strength of the Lord will be enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not in a desperate situation where I need someone to give me something. Do you know whenever you're in that position when you're really desperate, saying, I really need, I just must have this person give this to me. I just have to have it. Do you know that you are at that point at the greatest risk of manipulation? and the greatest risk of compromising your values, at the greatest risk of compromising your faith in Christ and destroying your life. I see this so much with my teenagers that I, that I, that I teach every week. They're so desperate for the boyfriend, they're so desperate for the girlfriend that they compromise their values, they compromise their standings, and they get in a terrible mess. And so, <laughs> amen. And yes, don't need that. Don't need that. But sometimes you think you need something so desperately that you compromise your values and your standards. Don't put yourself in a place. Protect yourself. Protect yourself from the manipulation of others by just being appreciative and I'm good. Good either way. Good either way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And, and Lord, it's such a beautiful picture of thankfulness. It's such a beautiful picture of appreciation. It's such a beautiful picture of a person that has given so much. Paul the Apostle gave his whole life to uh, the gospel. And he, he, he was full of joy for it. And it cost him everything. And um, Father, when he was in a state of need, you brought these people. We know them as the uh, Philippian church. And um, we know, Lord, that they weren't a perfect people. They had people fighting in their church, <laughs> um, such as every family, community, I suppose. And they lived in a culture that um, a simple thank you was always a request for more. But Paul was trying to move them out of that. And Father, may we be moved out of this position of only thanking people and demanding something from them. May your church be a community of believers that are just appreciative for the gifts that they've been given, appreciative for the people that are around them. May we do better, may I do better as the pastor of this community of being appreciative to the sacrifices of time and resources and energy that people pour into into making this community alive so that people can come here and get real help. And Father, we pray that you would help us to resource other ministries in town that do a better job or do other things that we're not called to do, um, things that we're not gifted or, or required to do. May we resource them to be their wonderful selves. And in particular today, just because I'm thinking about them, Lord, just the ministry that takes place through Set Free, they do things differently than we do, um, and that's beautiful, that's wonderful. And Lord, I do pray for them today. Um, Lord, that you would resource them. We know that they got broken into Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday. But Father, we pray that you would uh, resource them to replace that glass and to do those things. And 
resource the home where they're taking care of those women and the ranch where they help people get off drugs. And so, Father, what a, what a beautiful ministry to take place right there that we don't need to recreate that. We can just, we can just resource them. And, Father, I know that we're probably one of the smaller churches in town, one of the smaller communities in town. And, Father, we might sometimes think that that makes us less important and that we can, can't do it. What are we going to do? We're a little church. Well, we can do and we can give away what you give us. And so, Father, make us a group of people, a community that's, that's not being a reservoir, but, Lord, is being an aqueduct and moving stuff on. Moving on your grace. Moving on your mercy. Moving on material things if we need to. And so, Father, I, I just ask you to help us be a thankful group, an appreciative group, and not a demanding group. There's enough people in our community today demanding that their rights be given to them or demanding that their way be um, given to them, demanding that everything be given to them. We live in a society, Lord, where everybody's demanding stuff from everybody. But Lord, I believe that creates a very amazing opportunity for Christians to say, I just need the strength of Jesus, so give me what you will, take what you will, say what you will, treat me however you want. It doesn't matter. Because we're just going to love you. And we're just going to point you towards the grace and mercy of Jesus. What a beautiful expression of Christianity that is an opportunity for us right now in 2020. So Father, as we receive communion, may we reflect. May we remember Lord, the grace that it took and the mercy that it took for you, Jesus, to go to the cross and take our place to be our substitute, to be our representative on a place of receiving wrath so that you can give us mercy. And so, Father, as your people today come, as they come and receive these elements, may you pour grace into them. And Father, where they are hurt, will you bring healing? And Father, where there is pain, will you bring peace? Where there is anger, will you bring a calmness? Where there are questions, will you bring answers? All according to your riches and grace and glory. Father, do your work among your people today as we spend a few moments reflecting upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.